Welcome to Places, everyone. I'm Lonnie Firestone. What do performers do when there are no performances? Most of them crave creative outlets, even if they happen in their own homes or outside away from others. Since theaters shut down this spring, a certain type of performance has gained traction online. The compilation video, in which multiple performers, each in their own space, record their part of a musical number that is compiled into one cohesive performance, or into a sequence of performances one after another. One of those compilation videos that has been widely circulated features the Broadway revival cast of A Chorus Line, doing the famous opening dance number. I reached out to Jeffrey Schechter, who starred in that production, and who had the idea to reunite his cast for this compilation. In the notes for this episode, you'll find a link to the video. This interview happened before the murder of George Floyd, and before protests began around the country. At the time of this conversation, the coronavirus was the primary concern on everyone's mind. We're now in a different time, in which dismantling racism is as urgent as responding to the pandemic. And the theater world itself has erupted with stories about systemic racism, within its own community. Amidst these powerful shifts, artists are still longing to create, to find avenues for personal expression. And my conversation with Jeffrey Schechter speaks to that. Performers find their way through movement and music. Jeffrey was also kind enough to indulge me in discussing a chorus line, especially the part of the show that I've always found confusing. I hope you enjoy this interview And I hope you find ways to delight in performance during this time. Here's my interview with Jeffrey Schechter. So how should I introduce you? Because you have many names. (laughs) That's funny. Maybe just start there. The man of many names. (laughs) I mean... Yeah, my, my name is Jeffrey Schechter, but in theory community, most people know me as Shecky. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think if you can kind of throw in both. Yeah, I just feel like I have to earn the nickname. So maybe as we progress. I'll, I'll give you the thumbs up at some point and let you know you've made it. <laughs> <laughs> so the initial impetus for my reaching out to you was after watching the video of you and your fellow cast members from a chorus line. And Mm -hmm. I'll start by saying that I saw that production and I really enjoyed it. And I I already was familiar with you and the other cast members. And so I was like target audience as well as I have been for the many other kinds of videos that have come out during this bizarre shelter in place period where people are devouring that kind of content. And I'm seeing now that that form of viewing entertainment that has really thrived right now is this compilation musical theater video where multiple performers are each in their own space and they create a cohesive full performance using the magic of editing. And so I read that this was actually your idea to do the one for Chorus Line. And I wanted to know why did you connect with that cast specifically? And was it your intention to make the video public? Yeah, I mean, it, it really stemmed out of a simple place of, I mean, this is early on in, with the quarantine where my wife, she's also a dancer. She's not 
she's not in the business anymore. She teaches for our company. And she was watching a lot of ballet videos and stuff like that. And she showed me something from Alvin Ailey where they were doing kind of a similar format where they were going from one dancer to another. Yeah. I forget the name. I forget the name of the piece. It was really, really, I was like, wow, that's really beautiful. And like immediately in my mind. Was it Revelations? Yeah, it was Revelations. Yes. Thank you. It was beautiful. And immediately, like a chorus line just popped in my head, the opening combination. Oh man, we should all do that. And then I kind of, I kind of let it go because I've got two kids. We're trying to run a business. It's crazy. There's so little time. Like we have less time now because our kids are home as opposed to going to school. So it's become a little bit more challenging to do projects. And then my wife mentioned it. I guess she had watched it again. She's like, you guys should do something from a chorus line. And I said, that's so funny you mentioned that. I said, I, I thought of that, but now that you're mentioning, maybe I should, I should put this in motion. And for, for, I don't know, Chorus Line, either everybody has seen it, heard of it, referred to it. It's just, it's, it's truly iconic. And of all the things I thought, at least in the things that I've done, that would be probably immediately noticeable and recognizable and fun, it would be that. And then it was a matter of just the challenge of like, would anybody even be into this? So then it was, it was just hopping. We have a private Facebook page. And I reached out, I did a nice post and, and I ended it by saying, no pressure if you guys don't want to do this and just mostly praying everybody's well, because I didn't know one of our cast members was, had COVID-19. And then like almost immediately people were like, oh yeah, this sounds great. What do we got to do? Like it was, it was very, and it just kind of took off very quickly and it was like, okay, here's the update, put it on tape. Yeah. And have fun, have fun with it. And it really, it became our place to kind of every day somebody was posting a video with comments. Some were funny. Some were just dancing their butts off. I mean, it really was great. And all of us really started reconnecting and bonding and commenting on them. And um, Is it common for a, a cast to stay in touch with each other in that close way over the, over years following the production? I mean, my experience has been with every show I've done, I mean, it changes. I mean, I think when you're you're in the business and just starting out, those first couple of shows in particular, depending on your experience, are very, very special. I mean, my first Broadway national tour was Guys and Dolls. And to this day, I'm still close to a lot, a lot of people. Whereas shows, as you go a little further along, you kind of start to take away, I don't know, anywhere between, I'm going to say three to six people that you really follow up with the phone calls, you're checking in probably every couple months. It depends a lot on the project too. But in general, in answer to your question, yeah, I think show people, they stick together. You work really, really hard, if, specifically a Broadway show. I mean, all shows, but Broadway show, if you're lucky enough to have what I would say at least a year or more, you, you're really in the trenches with people. You're learning a show together. You're building it from scratch. You really form these relationships. Yeah. yeah. So... Look, this run of a chorus line, I think it I think it was about two years, is that right? Yeah, just just under two years. Mm-hmm. And which in, I feel like in nowadays a show either lasts for a decade or it like closes pretty <laughs> or it closes pretty quickly. So right, two years right. is actually like it seems like maybe for an actor a really satisfying run and perhaps really exhausting if it's one that's so physically demanding as this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that was a healthy run. And that was a hard show to do for two years. We had almost half of the company leave after year one when it was time to resign. Mm. And it was it was really an interesting because we really were close that that and that show. It's everything you hear about it is true in the sense that it is this roller coaster ride. You love it. You hate it. it. It's one of the best things in your life. It's one of the most miserable. Like it's just you ride the roller coaster because you are you are reliving an audition every single night. Also, your character, if I can just go go deep deep in this a little bit, is mm-hmm. one who is one of the most positive characters on the stage. Like so many right. of the other characters are dealing with a lot of like emotional trauma. So your character isn't one who can weave in actual difficulty that the actor is feeling. <laughs> you have to really uh, counteract that. Well, it's interesting because he's positive, but he's still auditioning. He's still nervous. So this is what this character does. And it's it's very similar to what I would probably do in my own life. I'd probably be like, I'm just going to go for something and be optimistic and be positive. The the drama that happens is the internal struggle as the actor that happens after that whole sequence when you're playing Mike. Because depending on how that goes, kind of dictates how the rest of that show is going to go for you. So the nights when I would do that number and just feel like, oh man, that was good. I'd step back in the line mm-hmm. and I would just have this arrogance and confidence and <laughs> really happiness. And when I'd be dancing to the numbers, I'd be killing it. It was great. The nights when I did the number and I could just feel, oh man, that was, that was off. That just did not, not that it was ever bad, but it was just, it was just, it didn't feel good. Or, or the audience response was kind of like, huh, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know if I did my job. You got to step back into that line and, and you are as the actor and as the person kind of stewing. It is, and because mm-hmm. you can't go back and redo it. You got to wake it until tomorrow and you got a whole show to do. You got to stay in character. You got to support everybody else. And then for me, it was about trying to, re- I don't know, redeem myself or just kick the heck out of the rest of the show. And because you, you get in your head going, did they see that? Are they seeing that I, I didn't hit it tonight, that I didn't feel good, that I'm not into it, that I'm not feeling it? Shoot. And then you feel like you're letting the person down who goes after you because you're at the top of the show. So Mike sets the tone. Is it cool if we analyze a chorus line for a few minutes? Sure. Okay. So the the concept of the show is is one that is is really brilliant and that's why it has such amazing staying power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are certain complexities within it that I've never been able to untangle. And maybe you have some insights because you've had a very firsthand experience with this so at the end of the show the all the men and women are trying to audition for four slots for each gender and mm-hmm. in the means and we're supposed to understand that they're all really competent and talented and any one of them could get it and that's why yes. the director mm-hmm. is going to this extra psychological level which is a super weird i think but let's just go with that concept that uh-huh. like, by getting to some kind of underbelly of who these individuals are as humans, I'll have a better sense of who to cast 
because talent level, they're all about equal. Is that, is that premise right so far or not right? I think it's, it's part of it, but it's also, I think it's also truly, because they're not on the same level. There's definitely some that are better dancers than others. And you've got some people there that don't really sing. And back then in the 1970s, more than anything, you're, you're casting a dancing chorus. When he says, Zach says, there are some bit parts. So I want to get to know who you are. I could ask you to read a few lines, but that's not going to tell me what I need to know. I want to know who you are. So it's, it's Zach really going, yeah, I think you could all dance it. But I'm looking for something very specific to play these bit parts. And I don't want to go the traditional route. I want to try something different. So that's, that's a big part of what he's doing. He's really just playing a mind game with, with all these dancers. And I think he's going on, a, on an adventure that he doesn't even know how it's going to go. So another <clears throat> question before I want to get back to the, the video and sort of where you are today is uh-huh. um, the end. I know you're not Michael Bennett, so you don't have to like, <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot to speak for the chorus line. but. The end of the show is the big finale number with the top hats and the kicks. Mm-hmm. And it's a very big show-stopping, rousing number. But it is, it is also the moment when you realize everyone got who got hired is it back in the chorus and they all look the same. Yes. So why... Is that final number meant to be performed or received ironically by the audience? I mean, that's that's up to interpretation. I mean, ideally, yeah. I mean, that's that's the hard part about you see it in the opening number and you see it in the finale. Everybody is dancing in perfect unison until you see them like in the opening number break down into groups of four. That's where you get to see the individual performers and how they really dance. Yeah. I mean, Michael Bennett treated it like, I forget the exact quote, but he he equates dance to military and marching and, and nobody breaking that line. Gun goes up over the shoulder, gun goes down, right, left, turn. Everybody, nobody pulling your eye. So it is, it's actually very sad. The finale, if you really think about it, because it's just like, oh my God, it's joyful but they're all dancing exactly the same. What makes it special is you've fallen in love with each person on that line and you've, everybody's got their favorite. That's what's really interesting. So you're watching your favorite and even though they're dancing perfect unison, you've fallen in love with them. You've seen what they're doing. So they're individually kind of popping to you the way you want to see them. Yeah, that's so true. But, but there is, there is some sadness. Like, Oh my God, after all that, they're just, they're just dancing in the chorus. In the end of the musical cabaret, when the the MC says, "Isn't the orchestra beautiful?" and they play the same music as the opening scene, but now it's like sort of sinister. Yes. And I always have this fantasy of a chorus line production where the one has the glitter and the the kicks, but there's like an end of cabaret. Uh, haunting nature to it yeah that would be interesting because it's like they're in this glittery number but none of them want to be a chorus dancer they all want to be seen for how talented they are and all their the ambitions that they have 
Well, it's not it's not so much that they want to be a chorus dancer. At the end of the day, we're all there just to get a job. So, and they're thrilled to have the job. Mm-hmm. And I think if anything, it's the... Again, if you ask everybody that plays a different part, they'll probably feel differently about it. It's like, how do you feel about the journey that Zach has just taken you on? Some people might be like, what the F was that? Others might be like, oh my God, that was amazing. And you, you form a bond with these people. And it was unique. And also, it, it is the bow. Because like, don't, people don't get their individual bows like a traditional right. musical. That's the thing. Always people feel kind of cheated. Like, oh, I want, I want them to come out one by one, really take a bow. and. But that's where, again, he wanted to treat it like an ensemble and that nobody, not even Cassie or Zach, everybody's in that line. But yeah, that'd be an interesting thing to definitely play with, to, to go with a sinister like these four people. So when you direct it, you should try that. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite things about the compilation video that you put together, besides how well you still do all the dance steps, which I guess is some kind of amazing muscle memory, um, is I love seeing all the children in the video, yeah. especially how unfazed they are. Your child <laughs> seems to have an iPad as you leap over him. <laughs> Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, it's amazing. And was that part of the idea of creating it with like a, a nod to all of your contemporary lives? I, I think that's one of the things that evolved, which was nice because it was like one of these things where when I presented it, I said, do whatever you want, like do a, do a nice even mark, do it full out, whatever you feel comfortable with. And for me, I always knew I wanted to do it in my living room with the kids, cluttered, because, I mean, that's that's what it looks like right now, day by day. And I was like, that's going to be funny. So I did that first, and I didn't anticipate jumping over my son, but <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. And then what was great is, like, people started raising the bar after that. Like, I, I put up that one, and then it was like, then... Catherine Torcars, who replaced um, Chrissy Whitehead as Christine, mm-hmm. she she ended up making this great little short video with her 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 little daughter, who's like barely one, as if she was the choreographer telling her what to do. It was hysterical. Oh, My buddy Kevin, he he even one up me like big time. Like he had Legos all over the floor and is slipping on them and jump. I mean, it's hysterical. And we encourage everybody like please share these individually because they're great. But it was great because, I mean, uh, definitely the ones with the kids is what made it so unexpected. You had certain people that were killing it, found great spot. Palm Gill right there in the center of Times Square, dancing his butt up was so great. It was a great way to start the video and just see, like, there you go. That's what it should look like. And then just to see the sense of humor and the love and the joy and Jay Lane grabbing a glass of wine in the middle. It was just all that actor creativity was was just so much fun. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I want you to grab the wine. I want you to dance. Like people just took the idea and ran with it, which was just awesome. It awesome. It felt very, very much akin to the spirit of a chorus line, which is that in the midst of being a dancer and a performer, you also are progressing with your life. Like your personal life evolves. And yeah, it just felt absolutely. so similar to the spirit of what that show is. Like you have you have your dancer life and you also have who you are and you try to like merge the two or have them coexist as best you can. (laughs) 
Yeah. And also even the competitive nature of it, mimicking that of the show going, okay, somebody just did their number. Now here's my number because that's what the whole show is number after number. So it was like somebody put up a video and then somebody put up something else. And it's like, like who, who are the people like, Oh wow. Okay. You're trying to, you want up me. It kind of took me back to this Disney world trip. I took with my family where they have a lion King highlight show and it's like 30 minutes long <laughs> and they just have right. the greatest hits montage of the Lion King. And yep. it's for people who are coming to Disney World and they only want things that are bite-sized. So it's like the money yes. shot after the money shot after the money shot. Exactly, it's nothing, exactly. It's nothing with drama. And it made me wonder, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, about as we are now where we are for longer and we've gotten past the initial thing of like, I just want my fix. I miss theater. I miss music. I miss dance. And now we're like, okay, well, what are we actually creating or craving if we're a viewer to, to see or if we're an artist to perform that feels a little bit more substantial? So what are your thoughts on that now as we are where we are for a, a bit longer? You know, we're, we're all about trying to support each other, get each other through this right now and 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 create as much positivity and light. So I think as long as there's ways to keep doing that and making it interesting, I think they'll work. However, I'm already starting to see the next phase and it's all dependent on what kind of attention spans people are going to have. The Globe just did an original 10-minute play all around Zoom, her friend Chris Fitzgerald and Bill Irwin going, okay, what else can we do with this format? So that's where I think we're headed next. People are going to go, okay, we can only see the split screen into 45 little squares and then moving across. We're going to get bored of that. Mm -hmm. So what else can we do? What are the graphics? Is there a way we can put on pieces where we feel like we're all together and we're fooling the audience? Like, wait, are they in a theater? Are they? So I think it's going to be the technology that keeps changing and People just get keep getting creative to yeah. push to to push us to 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 keep our attention spans because even in creating content, I think you lose steam. Mm-hmm. Like I know in the beginning of this thing, we're all like creating like gangbusters, like little video, blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. and then you get back to life too. It's like oh my god, things are happening. You got to take care of my family, or you hear something tragic about a friend, and it really is a reality check. Like this is fun and it's great. And we're putting out entertainment, but on a dime, you're sending out a Facebook message going, all right, everybody stop what you're doing. Please pray for this man. He, he continues to be on life support and there's nothing jokey. There's nothing entertaining about it. Like this, this is, this is what we need right now. So it's the roller coaster that we're riding. But I think there's, we want to be entertained though. People want to laugh. They want to be hooked. And when they got something they found great, they want to pass it on. Mm-hmm. So that's that's exciting, and it's funny having the idea for a chorus line. And I mean, I've, my wife's back in the kitchen; she can attest. I'm like, I have an idea every second, and the amount that really fly off and actually grow into something amazing, you get a handful of those. So I'm kind of in my head. I'm going, can I possibly create something else that would be just as exciting as that? I don't know, but part of the excitement is maybe challenging myself to do something. I want to take
take a quick break and talk to you about financial wellness. The term wellness is often associated with meditation retreats and skin treatments, but really wellness just means health and stability, whether that's physical, emotional, mental, or financial. IFWA, the Institute of Financial Wellness for the Arts, is a company that is specifically dedicated to the well-being of artists, and their team of financial coaches and advisors are trained to help artists manage their money and plan for their futures. Because many artists are paid project to project, they don't always think about long-term planning. There's also that long-standing myth that because artists live to create, it somehow means they're not thinking about their finances. The advisors and coaches at IFWA are passionate about art too. That's why they're devoted to giving artists the tools, vocabulary, resources, and know-how to navigate their careers with confidence and manage their money in smart ways. And with IFWA, you can work with an advisor at no cost. All categories of artists are welcome. Musicians, actors, playwrights, designers, dancers, directors, and on and on. Check out the IFWA to reserve a meeting with a financial coach and ensure that you're on track for a successful financial future. And now back to the podcast. I think what I'm starting to recognize is that theater artists will will make the most of this moment by being collaborative with video editors and people who are adept at, at video, or they'll just plan for the for the long term and sort of stretch it. Like playwrights might say, I'm I need to work in a live space. But people who are putting things out right now, I think there's a an opportunity for theater and for people who are proficient with video to have a really exciting collaboration. And it reminds me actually of a play, this way predates all of this, but I went to this production at the Worcester Group uh, a number of years back and it was of Hamlet and it was their company performing Hamlet. And at the exact same time that they were performing the full play on a screen, a projection behind the stage or at the back of the stage is the 1964 production of Hamlet with Richard Burton. Mm-hmm. And most of the audience was too young to have seen that. And it was such right. an iconic production of Hamlet. And the actors on the stage and the company were, were sort of mimicking in an almost robotic, but very theatrical way, the, the gesticulations of the cast members from that 1964 production. And it was so bizarre at first, like so many of the Worcester group things, you're like, where is this going? And then what I, yeah. what I got from it eventually that I ultimately thought was really profound was that theater is always going to be so, so memory-based and so ephemeral. And the idea that I, I'm not sure if this was precisely their idea, but the idea that I got was that if you weren't at that 1964 production when Richard Burton did Hamlet, if you weren't there, y- you were never going to experience it. Like you would never know what that, what it was like to watch him do right. it. Right. Or to see like Ian McKellen do King Lear or whomever. If you yeah. if you weren't there, you missed it. That's what theater is. But yeah. but we can give you a taste of what you missed, and that's why that theater is magical because you have to have been there. And that's kind of what I got. And I ended up being so blown away by that production. And I, yeah. I think too, and that was all because they combined the video. So yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think this might be an exciting way for theater artists and, and video editors and filmmakers to kind of, I don't know, maybe find each other and, and do well, something it is, when people can receive it on their screens. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is forcing us. I mean, I, I teach a musical theater class for our company which I don't know if you know, it's called I Can Do That, NYC. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I teach a musical theater class. I'm sorry? Did you and your wife start it together? Yeah, yeah. We started this company five years ago. Yeah, we teach dance and theater to kids. Yeah. And so we've, we're doing a lot of our classes online, and I've been doing a musical theater class, and we're almost done with what would have been our regular semester, and we're trying to put together what would have been our in-person show, but obviously we're we're filming stuff, and these kids are kind of getting a crash course right now in being on camera, being on TV, being on film. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and fortunately I've done a lot of TV. So, and it's also a big passion of mine. So I understand it. I understand about how that works. So it's been kind of fun for me directing them and getting them to understand that I know we're doing theater and I understand that normally You'd be walking around, you'd go and talk to somebody, but right now your audience is right here towards me. So we gotta, how can you connect with me? It's been really interesting. And when they do it, it's really exciting. So I think that's gonna be the continued lesson is just everybody transforming for this format. And then how can you change this format to make it even better? Mm-hmm. And then you throw it out there and you see. Yeah. As a last question, what do you think artists need right now? Uh, I mean, depending on where they are and what their situation is. I mean, a, a lot of artists, I think, especially theater artists, probably need financial help. And I mean, we're very lucky that we have the Actors Fund and Broadway Cares. And there's so many, there's like another fundraiser like every day and they're raising lots of money. I think that's probably the the most materialistic thing as far as just, I think, from an emotional and mental state, I think they need probably just to keep creating. And I've definitely seen people put out there going, I just have not felt like creating. I've not felt that spark. And then little by little, I find themselves like starting to dance, starting to do something. And I think every person's different. I know for me, it's a huge release to continue to create. And I think it's important to keep creating, whether it's just sitting down to sketch a picture, to write out a little idea, to put on your favorite music and just dance. You don't have to film it, but I think you've got to move and you got to create. And I think if you're a performer and you love to perform and you feel like you're missing it, I mean, dance as if no one's watching, (laughs) just, just get up and do it. And if you want to put the camera on and put it out there. And I mean, that's, I think, I think, I think those are the most important things right now and hope, keep hope, keep hope alive. Yeah. And if you got kids, (laughs) take care of your family. And then when they're asleep, find 10 minutes to create. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for your, for your time and for your thoughts. I feel like I can call you Shecky now. You can certainly call me. Absolutely, Lonnie. Yes, absolutely. Yes. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow Places Everyone on Twitter. Podcast production and original music by Cody Crabb. Artwork by Jennifer Klockner. See you next time.